Blog Talk Radio. Of the interview, 
Robertson asked Conway which characteristic stands out in her mind most about President Trump. Well, she said, it's one that most of the media never associate with him, and I would say it's humility, she replied. Well, because we've never seen it. <laughs> you can, I you mean, where quote, did she see it? Quote her rest, the rest of the story. With the gravity and responsibility of being President of the United States and Commander-in-Chief of our Armed Forces, I would say that with that gravity and responsibility has come a great deal of humility, Conway continued, adding that Trump realizes people are relying on him to keep our country safe and prosperous, and there's a great deal of humility that attaches to that. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, according to Conway, Trump ran to president, ran for president because he saw a greater calling, and he accepted that calling, and there was no way to be in the White House, whether single day, every what? single day. You're not making sense there was, there. there was no way to be in the White House every single day to make decisions that are so weighty and consequential for you, for so many people, of, uh, millions of people, without feeling a great deal of humility. And you can watch, we can watch her, her statement here. Okay. I'll listen to it anyway. Here it goes. Come on, you're a sweetheart for being with us. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Hey, listen, you were there instrumental in the campaign. You were writing some of the speeches. You were giving some of the words to speak. What's the one thing you think about Donald Trump? You've gotten to know him pretty well. What characteristic stands out in your mind? It's one that most of the media never associate with him, and I would say it's humility. With the gravity and responsibility of being president of the United States and commander-in-chief of our armed forces, sir, I would say with that gravity and responsibility has come a great deal of humility. The uh, president understands the awesomeness of this job. He understands what a dangerous world in which we live. Look what North Korea did just um, a few hours ago in threatening one of our greatest allies, Japan. And... Uh, look at the devastation that many people are facing here in Texas and, God forbid, perhaps Louisiana uh, next. And you have a president who understands that there are people in need, people who are suffering, people who are relying upon him to keep our country safe and prosperous. And uh, there's a great deal of humility that attaches to that. I, I think that was lost on many, many Americans, particularly the naysayers and the critics who seem to be working overtime these days is that the that Mr. Trump, President Trump, and his family have sacrificed mightily for him to vie for the presidency and indeed hold the presidency. Um, many people are motivated by power, by greed, by money, by influence, by status, by Trump. future bankability when it comes to running for political office. But Donald Trump had all of that. He had the money, he had the status, he had the wealth, he had the bankability, he had the prestige. Uh, but he saw a greater calling, and he accepted that calling. And there's no way to really be behind me in that building every single day and make decisions that are so weighty and consequential for so many millions of people without feeling a great deal of humility. Well, it appears to me that... Uh, So, you want to hear one more? No, 
I don't want to hear that. I can't. I can't stand listening to her anymore. Well, what about Bill Gates? What does he say? Bill Gates talks Trump. I know you've said you talked with President Trump about innovation generally. Did you talk with him about vaccines when you met with him? Absolutely. Uh, I talked about that during the next four years, we hope to get an HIV vaccine, uh, that that's been harder than people expected. Uh, I talked about polio, where by getting the vaccine for polio out to so many children, we find ourselves uh, with less than 50 cases last year. So uh, this year, with luck, We'll see the last cases, um, then three years later is when they certify that you really uh, have done the surveillance and the disease really is gone. And so investing in innovation, which was my broad thing, talking to him uh, that included health, uh, vaccines, it included energy and education, the idea that some of these investments that government makes uh, create the platform that then the private sector can, can take it from there. Uh, the, the analogies to things uh, like the moonshot were, uh, and what I said, okay, you know, get, get behind an innovation agenda. I don't know if that will happen, but I, I wanted to, to get that in front of him. Did he seem receptive? Well, he, he's met with all sorts of different groups uh, about a lot of different things, but yes, he, uh, took the time, uh, he listened, and he wanted to understand about uh, some of the different diseases and the, the strength of the American role in doing all these things. I went through the economics of how vaccines, even though the cost of making the first one, yeah. Is he a bore, or am I, am I just Yeah, from public No, well, you know, I think we, we can Keith pass Wire. So we know he's, he talked to Trump. Part of the problem is the questions weren't very exciting either. Yeah, you know, and, and um, so anyway, so anyway, we, we, let's, get, let's get off of that. Not one. a good interview, kind no, of. No, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, no need for that one. But the next one I got, this is something. We've talked about this before. Weather as a weapon. Weather as a weapon. Mm -hmm. And this came up uh, today, and uh, it was from Intel Hub. And Weather Wars theorists claim Hurricane Harvey was engineered, steered toward Houston as a weather terrorism weapon. I thought that was kind of weird. But, I mean, you know, they can do it with Harp. They can do this stuff now. So why would they want to destroy Houston? Because they want to increase the price of, of gas. Uh, oil, all right, and they want to, uh, uh, who knows what, let's see, uh, uh, where's my, where's my article? oh, jeez, I had that with some sites, I go to work, don't you hate that, what they do, destroy your freaking, Whoever paginated this thing is, is absolutely criminal. 
unless I have the names mixed up, the office seems to go by the name Sophia Spallstorm to avoid being identified and goes to great lengths to protect his or her identity. The person who also wrote the forward to No Natural Weather, Introduction to Geoengineering 101, the site has published a 14-minute analysis of Hurricane Harvey, asserting that the hurricane was augmented by on-land water vapor generation from Texas, Louisiana, etc. The video description also states, it is also no coincidence that Hurricane Harvey is hitting the United States 25 years to the day after Hurricane Andrew hit Florida, since all of these storms are very clearly, clearly and very obviously deliberately manufactured. This anniversary hurricane was clearly intentional. Mm. And uh, another video uh, from aplanetruth.info offers a more detailed explanation of weather engineering and uh, phenomena and how they say it relates to Hurricane Harvey citing numerous patent, uh, patents, weather control conference, and military technology and so on. And this goes on. They've got, Jesus, they got three, three different videos. But I think I'll, I'll play this one. Mm -hmm. Hurricane Harvey, uh, origin, targeting Texas. Now, this is not new to us, and anybody who's followed our program for any, any number of years knows that we've talked consistently about chemtrails, mm -hmm. weather modification. We've had experts on regarding it, and, um, you know, it's been one of our biggest bugaboos. But now with Global 2000 at hand and uh, the eradication of two-thirds of the world population by 2050, uh, it's getting out of hand, okay? This is... This particular one is 13 minutes, but I'll, I'll only play a few minutes of it so you can know. It's called Hurricane Harvey Origins. channel is calling for the last 
week, although with these seem like clumps of forced convection, have completely fallen apart and been rebuilt, refueled, and several times. I think this is going to be quite long, folks. And what it is is an explanation of what they saw. How how they're 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 building it. They're deliberately uh, rebuilding this this storm, okay? And that's what they see. That's what they're doing, yeah. No, that's what this group sees. Right, but it's worth taking a look at, believe me, because it's pretty frightening, folks. So there are three or four sites you can go to. So what are the sites again so we can just tell people? Um, let's see. A plane. The Hurricane Harvey Origin, yeah. Uh, go to YouTube. These are on YouTube right now. Hurricane Harvey origin targeting Texas. All right. Harvey and the weather terrorists. All right. And uh, Hurricane Harvey 926 millibars. Hmm. Man-made. They're showing that. They're proving that Harvey is a man-made uh, uh, hurricane. All right. Or they're building a case for it. I don't know. Well, it's a long, long article, but it's a very, very good article. I suggest go to it and watch the videos. You'll be convinced that Harvey, weather wars, terrorists claim Harvey, Hurricane Harvey was engineered, steered toward Houston as a weather terrorism weapon. Uh, Just take a look on the side there. There's some some breaking news that they found. World War III, top forecast break war with North Korea by September 12th. Oh, jeez. Uh, bombshell, total media blackout as two teenage girls die from meningitis even after getting vaccinated. Weird. <clears throat> no way to prevent imminent explosion as flooded Texas chemical plant. Okay. Isn't scary? Be some big stuff going on. And, you know, you can go to Intolab. They're, they're pretty legitimate. I've followed them for a long, long time. Go right to the bottom. There's yeah, this particular thing. article, though, on weather engineering is from Mike Adams, Natural News. Okay. Usually pretty reliable. What, what did you go say? Go right to the bottom there. It's something on the left on the Clinton Foundation. Clinton. Oh, yeah. No. The Clinton Foundation took massive payoffs. Okay, uh, promised the Hammond Ranch and other publicly owned lands to Russians along with one-fifth of our uranium ore. Holy crap. See, she sold out 20% of our uranium mm-hmm. to the, uh, Russians. the Russians. And the Clinton Foundation did that. Mm-hmm. The horror of Babylon shreds constitution, exposes ultimate backer of massive U.S. The horror is associated with the Antichrist and the beast of Revelation by connection with the equally evil kingdom. This is by Wikipedia. But Princeton, uh, Oregon. Intel Hub. Yeah, Intel Hub. As it turns out, there is a lot more to the story behind Malheur Wildlife Refuge. A whole lot more. And this article is just the tip of the proverbial iceberg. As you may or may not know, on January 4th, Intel Hub reported that the Hammond Ranch and other ranch lands surrounding the refuge sit atop a vast swath of precious Re- metals. A refuge sit upon a vast swath of precious metals, minerals, and uranium that's, that's heavily that. desired by not only the federal government, but foreign entities as well. 
However, at the time of the article's publication, the federal government's full motive to seize the land was not yet known, other than the fact that these elements do exist in the vicinity are, and are invaluable. Now, after further investigation, more pieces of the puzzle are put into place and you're not going to believe what characters are involved. I'll give you a hint. One of them is currently being investigated by the FBI and is also running on the Democratic ticket in hopes of becoming the President of the United States. Okay, hang on. Let me see when this is published. So this is an older article. When this is published? January 23rd. 2016. But nothing has come forward about this. No, and, and the deal was essentially brokered by Hillary. It was ran through the Clinton Foundation using Canadian-backed contributions as a cover. With one flourish of a pen, just that, that the pitch sold out the American people and one-fifth of American uranium resources to the Russians. In April of 2015, two reporters in the New York Times boldly reported how the plan worked. At the heart of the tale are several men and leaders of the Canadian mining industry who have been major donors to the charitable endeavors of former President Bill Clinton and his family. Members of that group built, financed, and eventually sold off to the Russians a company that would become known as Uranium One. All right? Now, I've I got to have you go to it, because for me to read this is it's like a very long and very researched article. But... Please go to Intel Hub. If you haven't already seen it. Yeah, and read the read it again. And for those of you on Facebook, I appreciate uh, you know uh, <clears throat> send it along. I guess I did somewhere. All right, but um, kind of scary. Yeah. And nothing's been done about that. No, but a judge just gave Trump and Arpaio bad news about the pardon. Now. You know, you know, you heard that he's pardoning Judge or, uh, or Sheriff Ohio. Mm -hmm. Well, suddenly, uh, this comes down to um, last week, President Trump tried to cover up uh, Hurricane Harvey to deflect, use the cover of Hurricane Harvey to deflect attention away from his abrupt pardon of notorious racist and human rights abuser Sheriff Joe Ohio. But instead of having the whole affair slip under the radar, Trump and the Justice Department are now looking at a protracted and very public legal fight, according to the Arizona Central. Hmm. While District Judge Susan Bolton has approved the request uh, to throw out Arpaio's sentencing hearing, she not, uh, she's not letting him walk away so easily. <clears throat> the morning... Bolton ordered that, this morning, Bolton ordered that the Department of Justice file a memo and schedule for a hearing for October 4th where the Trump team must publicly argue why a man who was so racist he was convicted of criminal contempt of court for refusing to end his discriminatory racial profiling policies deserved to walk free. The state of Arizona will have their own chance to argue why Ohio uh, should not be pardoned allowing them to publicly and in great detail list the full extent of the heinous crimes and misdeeds of Sheriff Joe Arpaio. With enough running, with, which included running what he refers to as a concentration camp, torturing his inmates, forcing a woman to give birth in shackles, and refusing to investigate sex crimes against Latina 
their children. Can you imagine that? I didn't know that. Did you know that? Did you know that? That he was doing that? No. Ah, damn. Okay. And in the ultimate display of cruelty, a SWAT team member drove a dog trying to flee uh, the home back into the inferno where it met an antagonizing death. Antagonizing. Yeah. Uh, deputies then reportedly laughed as the dog owners came unglued as it perished in the blaze. I was crying hysterically, Andrea Barker, one of the dog's owners tells me. I was so upset. They, deputies, were laughing at me. And um, for National Dog Day, uh, let's remember the time Joe Fire deputy set a fire to a puppy and laughing at a sobbing uh, owner, it died a ghastly death. Um, 160 people have died in his jails. With little explanation and no consequences for the abusive target for entire absence of oversight, the unusual link between... You know, uh, oh, that's enough. Yeah, no, Trump is about to find... Oops, I'm sorry. Trump is about to find out the hard way what in the United States of America the president is not king. He cannot simply clap his hands and subvent Subvert uh, rather the legal and judicial system of our nation because he wills it. A warning that all those currently under questioning in the Trump Russia investigation would do well to remember. So Trump thinks he's going to be able to to, uh, uh, to pardon everybody, but he can't pardon anybody, okay, if it's not legal. No. No, if there's no legal way to do it. So what a what a freaking trip this guy is, huh? I thought this was interesting. So I was a former. This this is good. Support tobacco-free troops, don't you think? Mm, yeah. I I thought it was it was brilliant. Why are they encouraging them to smoke? No, they're encouraging them to stop smoking, and support tobacco-free troops. Well, who is encouraging them to smoke? This this group because uh, the reason uh, tobacco companies have constantly uh, uh, targeted the military. Big tobacco targeted people in the military seems un-American. Um, this this is very good. When people aim deadly products at the brave men and women who are willing to give their lives to defend their countries, what's that called? Hmm, whatever you call it, we think we should fight against it. These are our friends. Maybe they're our friends, or our cousins, siblings, parents, and neighbors. They're heroes. And they should be given a fighting chance at kicking a deadly addictive product to the curb. And uh, I, don't know, I thought there was more to this. <clears throat> so I, I thought there was an actual video. With it. We partnered with our friends at This Is Quitting, uh, which is a free app for iOS and Android. It gives advice from people trying to quit smoking. Get the people you love or even just kind of like. To download the app, this is quitting.com. To start, we have something we can send the people you know in the military who smoke via Facebook or Twitter. Download the image so you can just hand it to your person or mail it if your person people uh, are deployed. The best part, by doing something impractical, 
you'll be entering you'll be entered in a chance of becoming awesome. A truth pack featuring a super limited edition, completely awesome truth. Okay. You probably have to pay for that. Yeah, but there's some big tobacco targeted people in the U.S. military. There was a lot more to this. Guess not. Huh. There's nothing. There's only an app. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck? Uh, you even talked about this on the news today. This is interesting. Televangelist Jim Baker, B-A-K-K-E-R, says Christians will start a war if Trump is impeached. But, you know, these these Christians, these wonderful Christians, you know, want to start a war. I mean, mean, these Christians, okay, are nothing but a mockery of fucking insanity. Televangelist Jim Baker is predicting that Christians who begin a second civil war in the U.S. if President Trump were impeached. Yeah, right. If it happens... There will be a civil war in the United States, he says, of America. Was that what he's encouraging? Well, the Christians will finally come out of the shadows because we are going to be shut up permanently if we're not careful, he said on the Jim Baker show in a clip highlighted by Right Wing Watch. He also warned that Christians are in danger of losing their voice in American society. He says, God says faith without works is dead. He's... We have to do things. God has been standing with me, and I don't know about you. It's time for preachers like you, you've been doing it, to stand up and shout out. Baker told the pastor on the show, seven House Democrats have signed on to a bill to impeach Trump. Baker served nearly five years in prison for fraud (laughs) and conspiracy connected to his original television program, the PTL Club. The former prosperity gospel preacher resigned from the ministry in 1987 after he was accused of rape by Jessica Hahn. You remember that one? Yep. This, this guy thinks it's going to be a, a revolution. No. But he's going to have... Yeah, right. Uh, what a moron. These guys are morons. Morons. But we have to, we have to talk about them because yeah, these guys are crazy. Well, what happened to the labor unions, Isla? Good question. Well, I'm going. I got a little article there sent by Larry, our buddy, uh, from Aspen Union. It says, what happened to labor unions? Federal Reserve. And most economists are struggling to understand why we don't have increased inflation as the unemployment rate drops to a record percentage, anything less than 5% is generally considered to be full employment. The theory is that when employers can't find enough people to meet their needs, they simply raise wages until job seekers are beating down the doors. Rising wages prompt the need to increase prices in an upward inflationary spiral is set in motion. So why is it not happening today? That's a good question. It could have something to do with the fact that workers no longer have the voice that union members once provided. And today, their remaining voice is through the ballot box, and this is evidenced by local and national efforts to raise legal minimum wages. 
depending on elected officials or representatives is far less effective than the threat of a strike. So what happens to unions? Up until, up until the 50s and the 60s, 35% of American workers were represented by unions. By 1983, the percentage had dropped 20%. It was now settled. It is now settled at 11%. So there's only 11% of the workforce is, is unionized. And declining. And declining. Yeah. Growing up in New England factory town provided me with some insight of what unions accomplished for everyone, including non-members. Of three major factories in town, only one was unionized. When business was good but wages remained flat, the union employees would negotiate or go on strike in some cases. Their pay raise would immediately be matched by the other two companies whose employees had the luxury of avoiding the loss of wages and hardships necessitated by the strike. In other words, the efforts of union members created the rising tide that raised all the ships. Mm -hmm. There are many reasons for declining union membership starting with changes in laws that make it more difficult to recruit members. That continues today and has worsened under the current administration in spite of its populist claims. Contributing to the problem, however, is the possibility that unions are losing a public relations battle. For example, the New York Times reported that 800 teachers in New York City have been put out to pasture at full pay, averaging 94000 a year. Um, teachers who typically have legal or disciplinary charges or the lowest possible ratings for effectiveness. This condition goes back a ways to the days when the faculty uh, where they sit all day doing nothing was referred to us as the rubber room. It reflects a more uh, recent variation worked out between uh, Mayor Bloomberg and the United Federation of Teachers giving school principals the right to make hiring decisions, and principals would rather use substitutes than choose from furloughed teachers, or uh, losers, rather. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, issues, the issue is that news again, in the news again, be, because the city is being forced to reinstate 400 of the teachers who the principals don't want, the problem for workers is the horrible public relations leading to weakness at the ballot box. And the public becomes incensed with unions when reading about these examples of incompetence coupled with self-serving intransigence. In the public sector, union membership is leveled out at 40%. That, percent, uh, that presents other problems like outsized retirement benefits, uh, promises that elected officials make today uh, whose fiscal consequences don't be evident until far into the future. But the future is now. As it just so happens, so we have to come to terms with those unfunded promises and per uh, perpetrated by legislators who subscribe to the IBG ideology, which is, I be gone. <laughs> They'll be gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when it happens. So, again, it's more bad news for American workers needing higher minimum wages and more support in future election cycles. Workers see deserve to take a choice on the job. Their own interests are served when they identify with the core values of their employers, but most are successful and like the companies share financial results and offer bonus pools that create the sense of comfort common effort. 
rather than perpetrate a U.S. versus them ideology, unions would be wise to play a more active role identifying with company ownership and embracing what is common interest to both workers and managers and weeding out members who clearly stand in the way of what the bulk of membership understands is their collective interest. Oh, yeah. You ever, you know, if you ever worked in a union, one of the worst things, to do, one, of the, one of the most, uh, well, I don't know about, Lila was a union president, actually, in, in, her, mm-hmm. in her school, uh, like the local there, or asked me, but uh, what I learned in being a union uh, uh, worker for in a number of different jobs years, years and years ago uh, was that the two guys that made out best, okay, mm-hmm. one was the chairman of the bargaining committee for the union, yeah. okay, he usually had the best job in the factory, the best job anywhere, because he negotiated himself. He sold out, you know. And the others were uh, whoever else sold out as well, you know. And that, that unfortunately, you know, unions are notorious for that. And everybody knows it. Uh, but anyway, uh, we love unions for what they are. We hope they sustain themselves and keep going, but... Man, there's so much. They're, they're, they're so easily beat up. Mm-hmm. Terrible. You know, and they get these insiders that destroy their, you know, negotiators and everyone else paid off. Like and, a lot uh, of people are in for money. They're in it, you know, and the unions get lost because of them. Turns out that Trump's associate tried to broker the Moscow deal so that our boy can become president. Imagine that. That's what he said. The sons of bitches. I mean, you know, uh, they, uh, my friend, uh, white designer too, Rob Burton, sent this down the other day. So the Fed just uh, needs to back off and let the states handle itself. Waste of our tax. So sign the petition. Don't let Jeff Sessions prosecute sick people. See, Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, doesn't believe that marijuana has any effect, any any, any uh, uh, medicinal effect, even though it's been proven time and again that it has. But fresh off there, uh, he says, uh, protect, pro- protect medical marijuana from Jeff Sessions. Uh, this is from uh, Credo, okay? This is a blog. Fresh off of renewing the racist war on drugs and boosting private prisons, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is about is now going after sick people. In a private letter to congressional leaders, Sessions demanded permission to prosecute medical marijuana providers and patients. For years, a bipartisan agreement in Congress has denied funding to the Department of Justice for such prosecutions. Now Sessions is using scare tactics to try and undo that agreement. The states where medical marijuana is permitted, fewer people get hooked on dangerous opioids. Sessions' dangerous crusade put, uh, will put sick folks at risk and supercharge the opioid epidemic. We can't let that happen. Tell Congress, protect medical marijuana from Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions once allegedly joked that he had no problem with the Klug Klux Klan until I found out they smoked pot. Yeah, that's what he said. That freaking moron from living shit in hell. 
That's all you need to know about the warped priorities, uh, his warped priorities. Since taking office, Sessions has insisted that America is in the grip of a crime wave, even though violent crime is at historic lows, demanded that prosecutors pursue the strongest possible penalties for nonviolent offenses. Hamstrung oversight of abusive police departments and recommitted to using dangerous and inefficient private prison companies. This guy is a throwback to fucking pre-paleo paleo justice. I mean, the, the freaking uh, goddamn uh, uh, idiots from, uh, you know, caveman justice. Now he is going after sick people and risking inflammation, opioid epidemics. Sessions personally requested that the Senate Appropriations Committee reject an amendment in place since 2014 that bans the Department of Justice from interfering with states that permit medical marijuana distribution, use, or possession. The powerful committee recently rejected Sessions' request, but the rest of Congress still has to agree in order for the amendment to be included in final legislation. Sessions is trying to turn back the clock and reboot the war on drugs, putting lives at risk in the process. He already has bipartisan opposition, but he but we need to make sure lawmakers find the coverage to find courage to find to fire this scaremongering or to fight this scaremongering. All he has to do is all they gotta do is impeach Trump and get rid of this asshole. Tell Congress, protect medical marijuana from just sessions. When people do not have access to medical marijuana, they are more likely to turn to dangerous, addictive, and potentially lethal opiate painkillers. The National Institute on Drug Abuse affirms more and more research showing that states with medical marijuana laws have fewer overdoses and deaths. Sessions' racist, xenophobic, pro-incarceration tenure at the Department of Justice one of the most damaging parts of the Trump administration. Already over 368,000 Credo members have called for his removal. We can win this fight to protect patients and further show that Sessions has no place in the Department of Justice. So we need to speak out with full force immediately. So tell Congress to protect medical marijuana from Jeff's Sessions. What a lying sack. This is something that I posted a lot uh, last month, uh, uh, several years ago, actually. What's that? Four years ago now. Um, But um, it came back to haunt me, I guess. Aldous Huxley, all right, he was a great thinker, 1894 to 1963, stated, there will be, in the next generation or so, a pharmacological pharmacological method of making people love their servitude and produce dictatorship without tears, so to speak. Producing a kind of painless concentration camp for endless, for entire societies so that people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them but will rather enjoy it because they are distracted from any 
desire to rebel by propaganda or brainwashing or brainwashed enhanced by pharmaceutical, pharmacological methods. And this seems to be the final revolution. This is the brave new world. Well, folks, turns out that courts admit that DNC and Debbie Wasserman Schultz rigged the primaries against Sanders. Wow, big news. Hmm. Of course, He's supporting Sanders. Yeah. Of course, it's interesting that it comes from the Observer, which is owned by Trump, but never by uh, Kushner. But uh, nobody talks about that for some reason, does it? New York Observer. In June 2016, a class action against Deborah, the DNC, and former DNC chair, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, for violating the DNC charter by rigging the Bernie, uh, by rigging the Democratic primaries for Hillary Clinton against Bernie Sanders. Even former Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid admitted in July 16, 2016, I knew everyone knew that this was not a fair deal. He, had, he added, adding that Debbie Wasserman Schultz should have resigned much sooner than she did. And the lawsuit was filed to push the DNC to admit their wrongdoing and provide Bernie Sanders supporters who supported him financially with millions of dollars in campaign contributions with restitution for being cheated. Yeah. Bernie still got his millions. Actually, $120 million to be exact. So he was able to keep And they gave her a slap on the wrist there. On August 25th, 2007, federal judge Zog dismissed the lawsuit that several months of litigation during which DNC attorney argued that the DNC would be well within their rights to select their own candidate. In evaluating plaintiffs' claims at that stage, the court assumes their allegations are true that the DNC and Wasserman Schultz held a powerful bias to favor Clinton and sought to propel her ahead as an opponent. The court, ordered the, mis- the, the court order dismissing the lawsuit said, this uh, assumption of a plaintiff allegation is the, in the general legal standard is the motion to dismiss stage of any lawsuit. The allegation contained in the complaint must be taken as true unless they are blah, blah, blah. Well, the son of a bitch dismissed it, you know, even though there was plenty, plenty of proof that it was there. So, you know, justice doesn't really work, folks. Justice doesn't work. Hmm. Um... This is, this is interesting, too. Trump said that he was the first in his class at Wharton. It turns out he wasn't anywhere. He wasn't the first in his class anywhere. All right? Yeah. This is from, um, uh, from news group speak. Uh, 
But President Trump has maintained for quite some time that he graduated first in his class at Wharton in 1968. He has repeated the claims uh, claims several times to various publishers uh, and news agencies, including the New York Times, who he accuses of fake news. Well, in turn, Trump didn't graduate first in his class, as he claims, in 68. The Daily Pennsylvania published a complete list of the 56 students who were in that Wharton Dean list that year, and nowhere can Trump's name be found. That means no one, not only was Trump not first in his class, but wasn't even anywhere near the top 15%. While Trump's transcripts would never have been publicly released, it's not hard to verify this kind of information. Wharton graduate Steve Foxman spoke with the DP and said that if Trump graduated with any honors, he likely would have been mentioned in the 68 commencement program. A copy of the program from the Pence archives shows 20 Wharton awards and 12 and first prize recipients. 15 come by uh, Trump. Sorry, folks. These damn pop-ups are... You can't shut them off, you know? You can't shut them off. Boy. So anyway, Trump never graduated anywhere near the top of his class, and he wasn't mentioned for any honors at Wharton, and he's a fraud. Like he's been a fraud at everything he says. Right? Yes. There's one more thing that I wanted to bring up tonight, and it, it is so amazing. Um, oh, by the way, uh, let me, uh, I want to finish with this, too. Um, here's a guy, Representative Stephen Cohen, Democrat from Tennessee, is stating that he's filing uh, papers for the impeachment. Today I am announcing that I will be filing articles. This is August 17th. The president's abject failure of leadership and showing an inability to have moral rectitude and be the leader of this nation in times of crisis with his remarks in Charlottesville. I have no choice but to introduce these articles of impeachment. For one, I'm Jewish, and for two, I represent an African-American district. Ku Klux Klan and Nazis' purpose is to kill, terrorize, and oppose in every way fashionable African Americans, Jews, and other minorities. It's the antithesis of American interests and values. It's abhorrent to me, and it was the last step. It shows the president not only possibly guilty of obstruction of justice with Mr. Comey, violations of the Emoluments Clause with actions at the Trump Tower and the Trump Hotel and taking money from foreigners, but unable to lead us against foreign and domestic enemies. There's also a, a test of the presidency, a moral test, which is supposed to be the leader of the people and bring the people together in times of crisis. Charles spoke one of the great episodes of crises we've had in our country when he can't even recognize our domestic foes, which are white supremacists, Nazis, and Klansmen, and equates them with Americans who went out to oppose, demonstrate against anti-American values. He doesn't understand America. 
He doesn't understand his job as president. He is morally, ethically, and intellectually incapable of being president of the United States of America. He needs to resign. This has been seen by over 13 million, 16 million views as it came out uh, August 27th. Isn't that amazing, Lyle? It is. Over 16 million views on on YouTube. Amazing. This guy's putting together articles in impeachment. Who is he, anyway? Um, Stephen Cohen. Now, who Uh, is he exactly? uh, He's uh, a congressman. I don't know very much about him at all. Nobody knows much about him. He's a congressman from somewhere. Okay, but he's putting together. They do that, and then they... It's collapsed, though, yeah. Well, they put it, they put it together. And they then, did that for Bush, nothing happened. Oh, I remember. Uh, oh, it was uh, all kinds well, of stuff. No, I remember, um, uh, uh, what the hell is his name? Jesus, amazing, I always forget. Uh, Kucinich. Uh, Kucinich uh, uh, filed articles of impeachment against George Bush. Mm-hmm. Never went anywhere. Well, what's this? Trump's... Uh Details emerge about Trump's disaster. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's not really, it's a, kind of a big nothing. banana, nothing. Hope Dicks is his, uh, replaced his, he, she's been with him forever, you know? How could she be? She's only 20. Yeah, well, she, she's kind of like a sexy little thing that he likes to hold on to. She's been with him for, for a few years. Oh. Twenty-something advisor Hope Dix. I think she. Hope Dix. Hope Dix, in hopes she maybe she helps his dick out. But now observers are scouring through the details of Hicks' brief career history, looking for clues about how she may preside over the White House Communications Office. Hmm. All right. uh, insiders say Hicks has fostered an unusually close relationship with Trump. Even though he is more than 40 years older than her, Trump has uh, reportedly even started giving Hicks cutesy names around the office. She, yeah, he's a he's a little little yeah. squeeze, you know. She is protected in a in a world of ra- rival power centers, but the deep bond she shares with the man at the top, she he affectionately refers to as the hopester. He calls uh, him Mr. Trump. And she views her job ultimately as someone who is installed where she is in order to help but not change the leader of the free world. Oh, really? Yeah. And a White House staff uh, with aides pushing their competing personal agendas, Hicks uh, stands apart as a loyalist who is uh, supposedly, you got to read this because it's really kind of a doesn't seem to mean anything. How did she get there? Well, he, she's been with him for about four or five years. Oh. No, prior to, and she was, uh, she worked with him. Right. But what I wanted to mention, and I wanted to end this tonight, I wanted to see this. I don't know where to put it.
I was positive I, I posted it. But, um, Where did you get it from? Different for all different diseases. Man. 
That'd be so wonderful. God, that would be great. Probably but years away from being developed, but you never know. Between now and then, and until next week, we say good night. And thanks for listening. And good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Talk to you next week. Yeah. Say a prayer.